watched a lot of Bears games in my life. I've watched a lot of football in my life. And mm -hmm. yesterday, uh, was it was just bad. And then when you look at the numbers, too, it, it, it just makes it even worse. What are your assessments from yesterday's Bears game and their performance in Cleveland? Yeah, you wonder how many more opportunities uh, a coach gets when you when you compile clunkers like that as frequently as Matt Nagy has done. It makes you wonder, like, what more do the decision makers need to see to understand that something is systemically broken here? You know, you know, I, I really think that sometimes people maybe overcomplicate how to evaluate football. It's typically like a talent or a coaching issue. Obviously, there's execution that happens on the field, but don't overcomplicate it. Is it is it a talent issue or is it a coaching issue? The Bears have both for sure. To me, yesterday was a complete coaching failure. And so, uh, you know, if you want to, you know, zoom in on the micro and go into yesterday's game, the thing that irritates me about Matt is he's always talking about like the whys. I think that again, if you want to simplify things here, there's there's a really simple question that I use in my profession, and I'm sure other people do as well. Like, how can I help? And so I think in this particular situation, if Matt is truly assessing things, um, you know, as diligently as he, as he likes to profess to the media, you know, when he assessed, how can I help my team before the game? How can I help my team during the game? And then obviously, what can I do after the fact to pick up the pieces? Did I do enough for Justin pre-snap? No, you didn't. You didn't use motion enough. You didn't, you know, use shifts. All the advantages you get as an offense, he did not use enough of yesterday. So pre-snap, fail. Post-snap. Did I do enough to help my offensive line that was clearly struggling? No, you did not keep in health. You're using scat protection from your running backs, not bringing your tight ends in to help and, and, and make the path either wider for the defensive ends or just straight up put a second body in front of them to impede their path. So didn't help the, 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 the offensive line or the quarterback post snap. And then just conceptually, like the plays that you curated with an unequivocal start for Justin Fields, this wasn't a debate, like, is it going to be Dalton or Fields? We knew that this was going to be Fields week. So now you've had him in your building for five months, and now you've had a week to prepare. This is the best game plan you can come up with, with a week for your, your franchise quarterback. To me, it's a coaching failure. There are talent issues all over this roster, but yesterday was such an obvious example of how poor Matt Nagy has done in, in, in this particular instance, how poorly he did to put his team a, a, to give them a chance to succeed. There was nothing about that game plan that led me to believe that he had this thing figured out. And clearly the results show that. Yeah, I'm with you though, Dan. It's, it's frustrating to watch this over and over again. And for Justin mm -hmm. Fields, it was a tough way to be baptized for his first start in the NFL. Matt Nagy definitely could have done more, but I also sit back now and I think Dan, 2018 seems like a long time ago, but from then to where we are right now, there is no identity on the offensive side of the ball for Matt Nagy and his squad. And for a guy that was touted as being this, this offensive guru, he, he, he hasn't figured it out. And, and to me, what do you think the identity should be moving forward with this ball club on the offensive side? Totally agree with you on the, the, the lack of an identity. In, in year four of your install, you should have a couple plays that like three yards or fewer. It doesn't matter what front, what coverage, what pressure we see. We know we can get three yards running this. Fill in that blank. That blank has never been able to be filled in since Matt Nagy got here. And so I, I think that you're right is 
uh, I've grappled with this question a lot and yesterday helped it really kind of clarify for me is, is Matt Nagy able to adapt to the talent that he has available? So that's one side of the equation, or is he purely a guy that had learned a scheme from Andy Reed and now is doing his best to try and coach it? I think it's more of this side and he's done a poor job in doing that. He hasn't procured the right talent for it. He doesn't know how to call it. So clearly he's not even good at that side of it either. The side that you think that he would be good at, but in terms of identity, to me, the identity of this team is number 32. It's David Montgomery. So in some way, shape, or form, you commit to an outside zone running scheme, which he seems to see well. The timing between he and his lineman works a little bit better. He's a one-cut runner, so he likes to cut it back against the grain. Give him more options. Let him make the decision and think before he presses the line of scrimmage. And then you don't need the run to be established to be a play-action-first passing attack. Go back to the Rams game. Their first pass of the game was a play action pass and it went for a touchdown. The run had not been established at that point. It doesn't matter. You want to confuse the first few clicks for a linebacker and a safety and those that are peering in the backfield. And they just don't do that. So to me, this should be an outside zone based run scheme with a, play, a corresponding play action boot package off of that. For, for Dalton or, or, or Justin Fields, it doesn't matter. That's what they're going to be best at doing. They just choose not to do it. Yeah, it's 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 frustrating. I think about I think about it all the time. Like 32 is the guy. And I think what makes it easier is when you're running ISOs and everything up front, the blocking is so different. For me as a running back, running wide zone, it gives me that opportunity to figure out where I want to go in that first running play for David Montgomery in the Rams game, right? Where you see him be able to cut back and it helps out right. the offensive line. Dan, we know that that's an issue. There's nothing they can do that about it right now with this offensive line. We're in season, but man, have you seen a, a, a worse offensive line together in a long time? Like what you saw on Sunday. What's so funny, Jared, is there, there's so many bad bears offensive line. Now you've got my mind going back to a lot of the, the bad previous versions of people that we've seen up front in front of the bear. And there, there is some really you know, like gnarly history when you look at the bears offensive line and just, the, the, the lack of continuity uh, amongst the, the offensive linemen. But the, the point that you're hitting at here is an important one. And, and yesterday's performance is as bad as any as I can remember. You know, go back to like the Jamarcus Webb days uh, and like just like all uh, they just bad, you know, just really poor offensive line play up front. There's been a lot of it with the Bears. But this comes back to we talk about that talent and that coaching thing. There's a little bit of both. But to me, this is more on the talent side of things. So this to me is Ryan Pace. Um, waiting too long to have a proper pipeline of talent at a crucial position. I, you probably notice this as well. I think offensive line play is declining, both from how it's taught in college. You have a lot of these spread concepts that I think that uh, there are there aren't as many as you would want, like ready to go offensive linemen. So there's a little bit of learning curve when it comes into the NFL. That being said, you need to make sure you have a couple to choose from in the in, in the event that one might be ready earlier than another one, but the Bears just don't have anything to choose from. And that comes from the fact that in uh, seven draft classes now, uh, Ryan Pace has chosen four offensive tackles. And then just because he drafted Tevin Jenkins, whom I like, and I still think has the chance to succeed, you don't cut 
bait with Charles Leno until you know what you have in this kid. And then it turns out that he's hurt and he's pre-injured and, you know, there, there's all types of things that have come out. And so now you're calling a Jason Peters who's sitting on a fishing boat to come and say, Hey, I'd like you to protect the blind side for our quarterbacks this year. So to me, this is, this is neglect. This is the, 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 the reap what you sow thing. Like when you constantly ignore or minimize the importance of this position, Teo Fabaluge, Latavius Simmons, Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borm, not enough. Four isn't enough in seven, in seven draft classes. And so now they're so uh, lacking any talent in the pipeline that once something comes down from your starter perspective, you're scrambling. You're absolutely left scrambling. So I think that it's that neglect of the offensive line that has put them in this situation. But now to bring it full circle to yesterday's game plan, you knew and I knew a couple series in on an island, Peters and Afadi weren't going to get it done. So you should be running two and three tight end personnel as for the rest of the game. This is the adjustment part. Adjust to what you're seeing on the field. Everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. And the Bears got punched in the mouth early in that game yesterday. They didn't counter. They never had a counter. And so it's simple things like you were talking about. Keep a tight end in. Even if you're going out in a route, bump that guy into a better leverage position for the tackle who's got him just to give him a, a better chance of succeeding and that extra click that the quarterback needs. You didn't see any of that. And so it, to, to me, it, it, was a, it was a total fail of a, a coaching side, but the, the talent on the offensive line is just not up to par. Yeah, I was wondering why they didn't keep, you know, Montgomery in swing routes, flat routes, and chipping. Screens. You know, help out some screens. That was not, mm -hmm. it was not, especially if you want to slow down a good pass rush, Man, get your screen game going. You see that it works. And to me, that wasn't even in the game plan. So those adjustments that you're talking about and, and not making those adjustments, a lot of people even talked about, even over the last few seasons with Matt Nagy, about adjustments at halftime. In-game adjustments during, during the process at that time, he has a lot of trouble with it. So, Dan, I want to flip it over, though, to the defensive side. Because to me, a good sign, though, for the defense, Mack and Quinn were both making plays yesterday, and hopefully that's something that they can build on on that defensive side of the ball. Agreed. I mean, I think that um, Sean Desai has impressed me. You know, like I, I think that um, a couple coverage breakdowns in the first game, but I, I don't think that was because of the call. I think that was because of guys weren't fully sure, uh, hey, who's carrying this guy if they switched it? You know, like you think about the Cooper Cup and the, the Van Jefferson, just a good route. Nice scheme. And Eddie, Jans uh, Eddie Jackson got spun around. But um, the I thought the defensive game plan was actually quite good yesterday. And what we're seeing from Desai is, similar to what we've seen from Vic Fangio in the past. You don't need to compromise your coverage to put pressure on the quarterback, especially when you have a defensive line that is as strong and as deep as the Bears. So if Ryan Pace put half the, the priority into the offensive line that he did to the defensive line, it might be in a, a different situation. But when you have Mario Edwards and Bilal Nichols, these are your rotational guys coming in. Angelo Blackson, these guys are getting it done. And then on the outside, you have, oh, by the way, Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack. What I've liked from Desai early on is, again, you don't need to throw six at the quarterback because then you only have five in coverage behind there. It's where do you line the guys up? So he's using some creative alignment. He's putting Quinn and Mack on the same side of the line of scrimmage. He's using a lot of unders where he's basically got, he's scheming three defensive ends on one side of the ball because you have, uh, a, a nose tackle shaded to the side of the, the center. And then you have a defensive end, the outside there, and then an outside linebacker. So it's, it's man on man that side. 
And then, so you're declaring, if you're sliding this way, I'm singled on this side, just really nice little things that you saw Vic doing in the past that I like to see from Desai, and they were executing it well. And then at the second level, Roquan Smith is playing as well as any inside linebacker in the league. And I think that the trust that Desai has shown in him early on is, hey, if your coverage, if the man that you are responsible for in coverage stays in, go, add yourself into the blitz. And so you've seen that happen more and more. So I thought that the, the defense was just on the field too much yesterday because they were certainly putting pressure on Baker Mayfield. And then what's funny is what, when, when uh, the, the Browns adjusted, they adjusted with screens. It was a, it was a screen to Kareem Hunt that really kind of cracked the whole thing open. It's like, it's right there in front of you. Your defensive line is doing the same thing to their offensive line that's happening on the flip. And now you see what Kevin Stefanski did. Okay, if they're, I'm going to break their pressure up the field by just throwing the ball behind them throw into the void that they're vacating. So little simple things like that, that, that just didn't happen, but really like what I see early on from Sean Desai and what he's doing with his, uh, the, the 11 that he has at his disposal. Where does his team go from here, Dan? Man, that's a great question. And I think that you're going to learn a lot about them this weekend, a, a lesser opponent in the Detroit lions, but I have to say, man, you know, save for Justin Tucker's 66 yard of the Lions almost beat the, a team that I think is pretty good in the Baltimore Ravens. So, I mean, they cannot take this game for granted. Uh, Dan Campbell does not have the talent he needs to be successful as the, but it's going to take time. The, the Lions were in a bad position, but when you see this team fight, they're going to fight the bears for 60 minutes. So, I mean, this isn't going to be some cakewalk game, but if they lose this game this weekend, which I don't think they will, I think the bears are the better team of these two that are lining up. I don't think Jared Goff is a, is a great quarterback um but if they lose this weekend it gets really troubling there because then you have the packers and the 49ers and you have the bucks and the steelers and the ravens i mean it, this is the meaty part of their schedule so to me this is a very uh this is a very important get well game for this team but um I, i'm really interested to see what the fallout is from matt maggie because i mean that was bordering on like malpractice yesterday when you think about you know how can i help as a coach you didn't, you didn't help your team out before the game. You didn't help your team out after the game. So now how do you help them after the game? I think that you're going to learn a lot about who Matt Nagy is this week. Dan, I've, I've done a lot of these interviews, bro. This is, you just gave people a bunch of information. You just made Bears fans smarter that are going to watch. Good. That's the hope. The show. I'm just telling, That's I'm just telling you right now. Like <laughs> you just made Bears fans smarter, bro. I appreciate you. For, for Thank real. you for having me.